This is Dave Chang. And Chris Ying. We are the hosts of Recipe Club. You may have listened to it before, but we are now back on the air, new and improved, with the same hosts that lose every week. I still don't know what the rules are because they've changed as well. Chris, can you give a quick rundown? Every week, we debate the best way to cook the things you want to eat. We take a user, listener, submitted recipe, and we all cook it with our friends, Priya Krishna, Rachel Kong, Brian Ford, and John DeBerry. And then we talk about what went right and what went wrong. No, I actually really don't want to do this podcast. (laughs) And they are hardly our friends. They are enemies. They are enemies. It's Dave's civil disobedience. If you want to see Dave Chang in an act of civil disobedience, tune into Recipe Club where he will not follow the recipe. I'm contractually obligated (laughs) to make this podcast. (laughs) But I'm here to have a good time. So listen to Recipe Club every week on the Ringer Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Pop Culture History Lesson. Um, My name is Amelia Wedemeyer and today I'm joined by Andrew Gretadaro. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Great. Well, and today we are going to be talking about <laughs> uh, Abercrombie and Fitch. We're doing a little pop culture history lesson, um, kind of because, well, one, because Netflix just came out with White Hot, The Rise and Fall of Abercrombie and Fitch, which I think last time I checked is at number five on their top uh, streaming uh, shows and movies. And also, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I stopped into Abercrombie the other week and bought some stuff because... What'd you get? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> I bought... Well, everyone has been uh, singing the praises of their jeans. And I always thought they had great jeans. Like, I remember my my uncle who's... I mean, he's in his 70s now. But like 20 years ago, him being like, God, Abercrombie and Fitch has some great jeans. And this is a guy who loves like designer Versace jeans, but he would buy um, Abercrombie jeans. But everyone I feel like has always loved 
uh, Abercrombie jeans. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So I bought um, some denim Abercrombie uh, shorts and a T-shirt, just like a, a, a simple T-shirt. So uh, I'm pretty sure GQ, like just this week, ran a piece about how one of their uh, men's button-down shirts is like the thing that you should buy. So. I believe it. People are like into this brand again, which is just, again, it's wild. It's just wild, especially after this whole retrospective and then looking back and then coming back to it and being like, oh, right. People used to really love this brand and they hated it. And now they love it again. So that's fascinating. Okay. So can we talk a little bit about <laughs> both of our relationships to the brand? Do, does the name Abercrombie or Abercrombie & Fitch uh, conjure any... I'm I'm gonna say a PTSD for you, Andrew. Um, I would say yes, definitely. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, <laughs> but only only in the sense of like, uh, like I didn't. I was not a victim of Abercrombie and Fitch's. Um, I should state for the record that I am extremely white, and I uh, grew up in a very white place too. Um, so I was really the target, and so um. I would say my PTSD comes from more so looking back and <laughs> understanding just like how important it was to me. And yeah. like the, the documentary does a pretty good job of being like, we were targeting kids and we wanted to make kids think that this was cool. And we wanted, um, you know, we, we kind of wanted to make them think that this is what they wanted. And let me tell you from the ages of probably like 10 years old to 15 years old, I absolutely wanted to be whatever Abercrombie yes! was selling. Um, so true, I same. I remember like, like I was, I was a kind of scrawny kid growing up. I remember being really psyched to go to New York City because they had an Abercrombie kids. Oh and my then God. I, I could like fit into the clothes. I was like, like I didn't care about seeing the Empire State Building. I was like, when are we going to Abercrombie kids? Um, and yeah, I, 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 I had like sweaters. I had, I had a lot of stuff that I was like really proud of, really into. Can I tell you one other really please, somewhat, no, somewhat yes. long story here? I, please. So, you know, the, the, the posters in the stores, the, uh, of the, course. the ripped dudes, mostly just their abs. Um, you know, the doc goes into uh, extensive detail in, in how those images were captured. Um, and they, they were like 10 feet tall, these posters. Mm -hmm. My mom, I have a, I have a sister who's, who's three years older than me. And she was probably like 16 at the height of Abercrombie. Oh, wow. Um, and one time my mom went into an Abercrombie store and asked the workers, she was like, what do you guys do with the posters that you no longer use? And they're like, Oh, they're just in the back. And she was like, can I have some? And they gave her <laughs> Abercrombie posters. What? So for like a good chunk of my adolescence, my <laughs> sister's room, like one of the walls was just an enormous poster of an Abercrombie model. And she was like the coolest kid in school because she had that. Oh my God. Shut up. Wow. That's, yeah. I mean, we were a big AF family. You were saying. a big AF. I mean, kudos to your mom. What a great mom. <laughs> I know. Thank you, mom. Oh my God. I mean, literally, one of my traumatic memories is that my dad, begging my dad 
to let me wear Abercrombie, but it cost <laughs> so much money. And my dad is super uh, frugal. And he was like, no. So it only worked a couple times to, you know, go into the Abercrombie because we had an Abercrombie kids. We had an Abercrombie and an Abercrombie kids. so lucky. I know in our uh, local mall. But just like you, I think uh, it, it defines a very specific period of my life, which was essentially middle school. And I had switched public schools from like an urban public school to a suburban public school in sixth grade, which was uh-huh. 2001. And everyone at my new suburban school wore Abercrombie, like literally everyone. And I was just remember being like, oh, God, I have to fit in. I need to wear Abercrombie. And, you know, <laughs> and then my dad being like, no, we can't wear this. You can't wear this. You're from uh, Minnesota area, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. that that tracks me because I I also played hockey growing up, and and Anna felt like a very hockey hockey dude thing. They they talk about lacrosse in the dock, like it was <laughs> yeah, it was they, that kind of that kind of bro. Totally, that exactly. And um, you probably if you're listening to this, you cannot obviously see my face, but um, and I have a very I have a German last name, but I'm not white. I am Asian American, and so it was like. This was kind of this unattainable, aspirational brand. Mm -hmm. And everyone that I went... Well, a lot of people I went to middle school and high school with where it was a very white suburban school. And again, it was like Abercrombie was selling you that white... Um, all-American dream. And it was just like, oh my God, if I could just wear Abercrombie all the time, then maybe I could be like everyone else. This would be great. So, you know, so that is that is kind of my um, experience with the brand as well. So... Yeah, teens teens are impressionable. Is uh, something I've come I've grown up to learn. <laughs> it's true. I could really be made to do anything when I was thirteen years old. <laughs> I know it's so true. It's it's incredibly true and sad, but also I mean smart on them for capitalizing on that. I guess. Um, Okay, let's shift into kind of a mini timeline of the brand. Um, in 1892, which I, you know, I had already known this about Abercrombie and Fitch. It's on all their t-shirts. Yeah. And, oh my God. And I think they <laughs> popularized that. I really do. I think because American Eagle started doing that and so did Aeropostale. I, rem- I remember, I vividly remember that. Um, but yeah, in 1892, it is founded by David T. Abercrombie um, in New York and it sold hunting and fishing equipment. And I guess uh, Teddy, they talk about this in the doc as well. Teddy Roosevelt shop there and, and uh, Ernest Hemingway, which was like, oh. Yeah, it's okay. a real like elite outdoorsman right. kind of spot. <laughs> exactly, which is reflected in they had the the and I feel like moose, in every yeah, the moose yeah, the iconic yeah. their moose image but they had a taxidermy moose they had a bunch of taxidermy actually throughout this whole entire dock there's a bunch of taxidermy in the background did you notice yeah. that oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> and there's a lot of brown leather couches and like <laughs> yeah. random um there uh, what, what they had like fishing gear and stuff I was like okay that yeah, seems yeah. that yeah. seems about right um and then in 1900 lawyer Ezra Fitch buys a portion of the company. So Abercrombie and Fitch, obviously. Um, And then I think it went through a couple bankruptcies. But then in 1988, it's bought by The Limited, which is Leslie Wexler's brand. And they briefly talk about him. He's the guy who's kind of responsible for uh, rebranding and shaping a lot of the mall brands that we know today, like Victoria's Secret. You know, he's good friends with Jeff or was good friends with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, And so he buys it for $47 million. In 1992, 
Mike Jeffries, um, who I'm sure we will talk more about, joins ANF. Uh, 96, ANF goes public. 97, the first issue of ANF Quarterly is published. <laughs> and I love this edition that you added. Uh, 1999, Summer Girls by LFO. Uh, this to me released. is like actually a, a really important moment. No, it is. Like, I agree. Having, having that song, I like girls that wear Abercrombie <laughs> and Fish. If you don't know and you should know, um, that is like a we've arrived. We are the most important thing in pop <laughs> culture true. moment for them. And I think it's also extremely uh, poignant in that that song is by three white dudes appropriating black culture. Yes. So it like it covers the entirety of ANF's rise, like that entire song. Definitely. So. These like handsome three handsome guys. And I think LFL stands for light funky ones. <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure. So yeah, what you say is 100% correct. It also reminds me of, do you remember my humps by Fergie, which came obviously yeah. like 10 years later. Um, and she mentions like seven genes, true religion. And that's, uh, that was cool yeah. then. Um, so yeah, you know, anytime you have a big brand, people always have to talk about it or quote it in their songs. Um, and then in 2002, there's a racist t-shirt controversy, which we obviously learned about in the doc. Um, in 2003, ANF is sued for racial discrimination and its hiring practices. The lawsuit ends with a settlement of nearly 50 million. Uh, ANF admits to no guilt. However, they also signed a consent decree agreeing to change their recruiting, hiring, and marketing practices, which uh, they talked to. I think he was the maybe the VP of uh, diversity and inclusion. Yeah. A little bit in the doc. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't. It on face it changes like they hire more people of color to work in their retail stores, but really, um, you know, the board and everyone in the higher ups are still kind of old and white. I think is what yeah. someone said. I would say that like from you know a couple of years after Jeffries joins, so probably like nineteen ninety five ish to you know two thousand one. That's that's like the part of the movie where everyone's having a great time. That's yeah, like the Wolf of Wall spot. Street when everyone's yeah. just like snorting cocaine and like <laughs> Actually, laughing. Yeah. And just like having wild parties. Like that's that's what that era is. And then 2002 is the moment where it's like, oh shit, <laughs> like we have done some bad things and people are starting to find out about them. Right, exactly. And they talk about how Mike Jeffries had everyone burn these uh, <laughs> shirts that were two Wongs can make it white and yeah. all that good stuff. Um, so, any, okay, anyway, uh, 2006, Salon publishes an article with choice quotes from Mike Jeffries about ANF's customer base and sales tactics. And he talks about like, we we only uh, market to the cool kids. Um, mm-hmm. But that kind of goes under the radar. 2007, ANF stock peaks. Yeah. So I wanted to include this one because yeah. even while all of this bad stuff is starting to come out, like the, the t-shirt thing is 2002. Right. Racial discrimination thing is 2003. Their stock is still rising at a wild clip and for literally five years it's it's rising and rising and doesn't take until 2007 before it hits that actual peak so you know just a just a little a insight little into consumers and what they care about <laughs> yeah, exactly it's 
good point. Um, and then in 2013, Benjamin O'Keefe, who was also featured in the documentary, uh, who is an activist and public speaker, comes across the Salon article uh, from 2006, <laughs> which I, I love that it took this long. Yeah. And he creates a petition asking Abercrombie and Fitch to apologize and make plus sizes. It blows up. Uh, and then in December of 2014, Mike Jeffries steps down as CEO. And then in 2015, the Supreme Court hears the case Equal Employment Opportunity Commission versus Abercrombie and Fitch Stores, which uh, is a lawsuit filed by Samantha Eloff, who is again featured in the documentary. And she claimed that she was discriminated against and subsequently not hired because she wore a hijab. And uh, the Supreme Court rules in Eloff's favor in an eight to one decision. Of course, the only person. <laughs> Shout out Clay Thomas. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> wow. He's he's built a, a strong yeah. brand. Yeah. Um, but interestingly enough, the doc makes it seem like this uh court case and the incident happened in 2015 but it actually occurred in 2008 yeah it's much more it's much closer to all of the bad stuff it's right. not like they got better and then some more bad stuff happened this is part of all the bad stuff which i think is so interesting that they decided to not even make that clear yeah the the doc i would say like my main probably my main complaint this doc is that the timeline is just pretty, it's hard to parse. Um, you just don't know when things are exactly happening that they're talking about. You know, you get a couple like title cards being like, oh, it's, it's 1996 now. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but other than that, other than that, you're kind of like, wait, when is, is all this happening at the same time? What are the, what's the order here? Um, I also like, I, I really wanted to know more about like how, literally popular ANF was throughout yes. these things, which is which is why I wanted to note the stock price too. No, that's um, smart. Because it was hard to tell. It was hard to tell because you have just a bunch of people being like, yeah, it was really popular, which is important, yeah. but there wasn't really any... There weren't any like hard facts, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that was our mini timeline. Uh, now we're going to kind of talk about the takeaways from the documentary. Um, okay, here's my first takeaway. I understand that this was this was like an hour and a half, I think. Um, mm -hmm. And I get that you can o you can only do so much with an hour and a half, but I would have loved to see more about Mike Jeffries, uh, who is yeah. you know, again the head guy, the president of Abercrombie and Fitch until 2015. Um, he kind of shaped the culture of it for several decades um give me a mike jeffries documentary or an entire episode um what an yeah. interesting guy 100 percent. um this is a, a an apparently closeted gay man who sort of redefined heterosexual culture in america like that yeah in and of itself is pretty it's pretty wild um totally. i think like there's a lot in the documentary about how Jeffries and Bruce Weber, the photographer who shot for quarterly and sort of all of their um, pictorials, right? They were sort of like really bringing gay culture into their yeah. branding and into their marketing, and that is something that went completely over my head. <laughs> um, and and not just obviously it went over my head as as a twelve year old like I wasn't really thinking about stuff like that. Mm -hmm. 
But even before I watched this documentary two sure. days ago, I was I was not really considering it. So it is a really interesting thread. It, yeah, it totally is. And, you know, I feel like, again, and Mike Jeffries has made it clear with the things he said um, and the rules he's implemented for the brand that this was for like straight white beautiful people they didn't really you know necessarily ever want to market to mm -hmm. to gay people but there is right. this overlying kind of homoeroticness to the ads and again the ads were a large part of the success of Abercrombie yeah. and Fitch so yeah that is fascinating um, I, he's he's also fascinating from like just oh just my. the details that you get in this oh like, my god first of all when they first start talking about him, they they use a photo that I, seems to be from yes. like the early 90s. Yeah. But then they are also using a photo that is clearly from more recent times. And he does not look the same. He looks pretty <laughs> different. And he, then finally, someone is like, he had a lot of destructive plastic surgery. Yes. I'm so glad you brought this up. I know we're getting into like Jocelyn Wildenstein territory here. Yeah. Like it is just everything is exaggerated. And they mm -hmm. talk about, like you said, his obsession with being young and looking young and which um, ends up with him getting horrible plastic surgery. Um, and they also talk about how he's this really secretive guy, but he decides to give these just really shocking quotes to um, people over the years. You know, there's in the salon piece, he talks about candidly, we go after the cool kids. We go after the all attractive all-American kid with a great attitude and a lot of friends. A lot of people don't belong in our clothes and they can't belong. Are we exclusionary? Absolutely. Um, and there's another quote I found interesting. We hire good looking people in our stores because good looking people attract other good looking people. And we want to market to cool, good looking people. We don't want to market to anyone other than that, <laughs> which is why it's, it's kind of like the just the guy saying the thing out loud. Like, <laughs> the, I don't necessarily think he's wrong. Like, and I think like and it worked for in, a while. And from a business standpoint, I should say, I don't think it's wrong. Like, right. I, I think in the fashion industries, like ex being exclusive is kind of the name of the game. Totally. And also sort of bringing in a, a sort of like perfect uh, encapsulation of what your brand is and using beautiful people to market to other people. Like mm -hmm. Abercrombie & Fish is not the only brand to do that. Totally. But they are the only one to be like, this is what we're doing. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. 
With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Let me just say, this man, and by this man, I mean Mike Jeffries, he loves a manual and a guide because he had this. so <laughs> many. His like, this is my manual for the store. This is what everyone should wear. They shouldn't, like, their nails should be this long. They can't be wearing makeup. They have to wear, like, one piece of silver jewelry. Just absolutely. He wild. had, a, he wrote a manual for how people should act on the corporate plane. I have quotes from that, too. If the passengers are eating cold food, crew members are not to eat hot food. Just like what? I, 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 I like whatever. I I mean, like that's very that's intense. I I can't it's intense. I can't like fathom having that many preferences as a person. It's <laughs> like, wild. It's just, I, I know. I couldn't. I couldn't do it if I tried. Exactly. Another one I loved was uh, in the same uh, flight man- manual, which is 47 pages. When Mike Jeffries or a guest make a request, respond by saying, no problem. This should be used in place of phrases like, sure, just a minute, right away. And yes, sir. That yeah. particular. Amazing. No logic. No logic. <laughs> yes, sir. Know. is much more formal, but <laughs> he needs a no problem. Oh, my God. It's just um, he's just so fascinating. And again, you know, they asked him to join the doc. He said no. And to be honest, I, I started Googling him last night after watching uh-huh. it. And he really has not, which is not surprising, but um, hasn't talked to anyone since yeah. he kind of left ANF. And um, I can't, he, I just find him so fascinating because there isn't that much about him. Yeah. And, and I like, I, like I said, he, he really, you know, he... he at least, at least the way that the doc is positioning it, he was the person steering this ship and almost entirely. And like, like we've been saying, he he sort of set a template for what like popular culture was for like a, a five to eight year stretch. Definitely, and that's another uh, point uh, that we can talk about is the culture shift of what's cool. Which, again, like you said, they did so well. I I feel like we've been made to think about this era a lot this this late nineties, it's so early two thousands era it's like so true between like Pam and Tommy and the Britney Doc and the Janet Jackson like there's just been so many of them being like Paris Hilton well, yeah right like what was this era because truly now looking back on it you are like what what the hell was going on and who was in charge. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. 
Bill Clinton, and he had a thing with Monica Lewinsky. All right, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, But yeah, like culture in general and almost society to a larger extent was just like ruder and meaner. And meaner as like a defining principle um, and exclusionary. And like that's ANF... ANF as its model was exclusionary. It was also mean on purpose. They talk about <laughs> they talk about in the doc how this, the people working in the store were almost like told to treat you like shit. Right. Um, Amazing. And that's honestly that's like what what culture was um, at in that time. Yeah. And um, you know the. the also, it was extremely white and like sort of a, a sort of like white first mentality in the sense that like people of color don't even exist in that kind of way. Like we don't right. even we don't even need to consider them kind of way. Definitely. Um, it was like white people are our audience. White people are all we care about. And we're good with that. Right. And not even just white, but like thin, attractive white people with, um, you know, I don't know, not lower class white people. Yeah. Um, and they really, I mean, talk about cultivating a freaking lifestyle. Um, I, I have one quote from Mo Tachik, I think, uh, is her name. Uh-huh. She's a journalist uh, who was interviewed for this. And she'd said that they built this massive campus that was like this college campus. And they were one of the first big companies to do that. And the whole idea was that work was life and life was work, which is, seems like the Netflix way. But um, <laughs> is that's so fascinating that they were one of the first companies to do that. Because now you hear about like Apple. And I used mm-hmm. to work for a company that also had Disney that had a huge campus in uh, the San Fernando Valley. and But it, it was very much like... Not only do we have this brand that is very much like this is the lifestyle and you adhere to it, but like corporate in corporate terms, it was very much the same way. And I found it interesting that one of the former graphic designers, her name is Kelly Blumberg, said that uh, working there, her team called it the 13th grade. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's I. It's just like it's a different time. And it's a time where like no one was forced to really consider the gravity of their actions. Like there were no avenues other than, and you know, even, even if you talk about the lawsuits as like a way to check ANF at the end of the day, they weren't even really being held to the standards of those lawsuits either. Um, There was just sort of like a, you know, slap on the wrist, keep going kind of thing. And Abercrombie, you know, as you laid out, like 2002 is when they get in trouble for that, like ridiculously racist, uh, two Wongs to make a white shirt, right. <laughs> which is just, oh my God, the graphic Tierra, terrible. Bad oh times. my God. The graphic. <laughs> I mean, wow. It was, that was nostalgia. Yeah. But that, sure. that was, that was 2002. And then they, from that, from that like sort of backlash, they were like, well, we're going to get less diverse <laughs> and we're going to hire less Asian people. We're going to hire less people of color. Right. We're going to lean even further into the thing that we are that, you know, the sort of public consumers just told us was bad. 
we're going to lean further into that. And it, it for a while until, you know, sort of social media comes around, (laughs) it's not a problem. Like they're, they're able to do it. Totally. Um, and it, it's, it's fascinating because I feel like, you know, we're also, oh my God, I don't know if you saw, I'm sure you did, but there was, I think it was Business Insider did a piece on ANTM, America's Next Top Model, and Tyra Banks, uh, and yeah. how everything is like crazy again. And again, we're relooking right. and reexamining things, but it's kind of like, yeah, we we know the story. And I feel like <sighs> with Abercrombie and watching this, I was kind of like, yeah, I, I I know the story. Like I lived through the story. I, it's always been kind of around, but. And that's why that's one of the things that I wouldn't say bothered me, but I and I enjoyed the documentary for the most part, but I would have liked to see more of like I just wish it went more in depth than it actually did, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I I would have liked like a, a, a few more interviews with like people who worked on the ground floor. Um yeah. just like even even more details into how they constructed their sort of like corporate culture. Yes. Um, and you know, that was fascinating. The guy being like, it is. It's we really did interesting. the Irish car bombs. Like every, yeah. every night we went out in corporate. I was like, damn. Okay. And being like a, a golden retriever is American <laughs> is a, sorry, Abercrombie <laughs> and Fitch, but a poodle is not. I know. Yes. <laughs> More of that. Seriously. And again, it's like, this is, and, and again, they did touch on it, but just, I feel like not for that long, it was kind of more of a shorter segment. Um, was that you know, ANF is this really sexy brand focused on making things sexy and everything that they're selling is uh, sexy, sexy, sexy. But we didn't even get to, um, which I vividly remember, uh, the outrage over Abercrombie kids selling thongs to children. <laughs> do you remember that? I have to say, I do not remember. Oh, okay, this. <laughs> well. Maybe other... I missed this. I missed this. Uh, this news news loop. Yeah, yeah. They they sold thongs to um to ten year olds. Well, that's normal, right? Yeah. Good. And Mike Jeffries was like, "Whatever, I'd do it again." Uh, which is, you know, just so Mike Jeffries. I feel like. Um, but and again, they did touch on some of the allegations. They interviewed two models. Um, uh, against yeah. uh, the allegations against Bruce Weber and also Mike Jeffries and. I mean, obviously, it's so unfortunate and horrible that that happened. But at the same time, I was kind of like, this is this this is interesting. I would like to know kind of more about it because it seemed like the models had a lot of stories, to be honest. Yeah, the just the sort of like, it almost sounded like they they did excursions with like a... Yeah. A wild number of of young models to like Brazil. I think they mentioned like just going somewhere and shooting an entire catalog. Um, I'm right. sure there are wild stories, not not just in the sense of of um, Bruce, but you know, just just in general of like just what that life was like. Yeah, definitely, and you know, and again, it's like this brand was owned by. Leslie Wexler for a while, who again is associates with Jeffrey Epstein. And then, you know, and they talked about it very briefly in the doc about how Leslie was also the head guy at Victoria's yeah. Secret and Jeffrey Epstein used that to get in with young models and just like, oh my God, it's like, it's all connected. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But rich people. Um, rich people, damn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think like in terms of that sort of culture shift that we're talking about, like 
I I'm left with sort of a question of like, did people did people stop wearing Abercrombie specifically because of the Supreme Court thing because of the discrimination suit? Yeah. Or is it more like this sort of larger, more amorphous thing of like being exclusive just became less cool? Like that's sure. that's not what we consider cool anymore is a an elite thing that only a certain amount of people are allowed to be part of. That's just I don't I don't think that I that's think what kids like anymore. No, I agree. Well, it's interesting too, and I don't know about you, but I had not heard about the whole Supreme Court um decision until watching this documentary. Yeah, I only knew of it like very vaguely. Okay, yeah. Um, but I, I really do think that it was more just like phased out like any other brand, you know, it had yeah. its hot moment. And I mean, who can exactly say what? I mean, I can't pry into everyone's mind about what right, happened. Yeah. But I do, re- I specifically remember um, Abercrombie was really big when I was in middle school, but not so much in high school. People had kind of moved on to like designer jeans and tops. And it was also like really cool at my high school to wear clothing from the sports teams you played on. Uh-huh. Which sure. I think Abercrombie tried to do that for yeah. a while too. They were like, you know, A and F, like naked yeah, run Letterman jackets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And now people actually had Letterman jackets and whatnot and would wear those. But um, I do remember really funny, I had a friend who moved to one of the outer ring suburbs. So the uh-huh. suburb I went to high school in was um one of the immediate suburbs, but she transferred to another school that was like on the outer ring. Um, and she said, she told me, she was like, everyone is like five years behind. They still wear Abercrombie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it just had a, it, like you said, it had a moment. And I think like, I think it just, it just what they were aiming at and what they were presenting as, as the most important thing. Like everyone else's take on that just changed. It was like, no, we, we actually, they actually aren't that into uh, elitism. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dudes who play lacrosse, like that, we're kind of we're kind of moving past that. We're 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 progressing as a as a society. Yeah, totally. It was like honestly, it was considered really gauche to wear. It was like, oh, why are you wearing this giant moose on your uh, yeah chest? This is weird. So yeah, it's just it's also it's an interesting look at how I think something and the woman mentions it towards the end of the doc can run so white hot which again is the right. name of the stock um and then you know absolutely be out of style within a matter of like 10 less than 10 years honestly yeah it didn't take long like everyone got over it pretty quick i i honestly think that like as obsessed as i personally was in middle school which think, you have given us evidence. <laughs> I just want to know. I shared, I shared <laughs> yeah. my my school photo so from good. eighth grade. It, it has so AF ninety two right up right on the sweater, and I I'll tell you I I really love that sweater. I thought oh, it was awesome. Oh God, um, great! But yeah, by sophomore sophomore year of high school, I, like I don't think I would have been caught dead in in an in an A and F sweatshirt. <laughs> Seriously. Um, like I, I think everyone, everyone kind of moved on. And 
someone that I can't, I, it might've been the reporter. I think she's from the Washington post um, who also has the quote about a brand running white hot. She also, she very briefly mentions the fact that like logos went out of style. Yes. Around. And I, you know, like the cynic in me is kind of just like ANF died because no one wanted to wear logos anymore <laughs> and not really because of all the bad stuff that they did. Yeah. No, I, but I believe that too. I mean, I think, well, it's interesting, you know, obviously the brand waned and, you know, stocks went down and everything, but it's not like they totally went away. Like a lot of other brands that really, they did go away and like, we haven't mm-hmm. heard from them since. Um, and they managed to just, they were there. They're st- maybe not as popular as they used to be, but uh, still hanging on. And again, you know, there has, honestly, I've seen it on Instagram, a real uh, reemergence of the brand and people kind of talking about how I love their jeans and how yeah. they're great. And, and it's interesting too. I was also looking at uh, Abercrombie's Instagram feed. And I think they talked about it in the doc a little bit how they're like, we've totally rebranded. They've rebranded. They deleted yeah. all their former stuff. Right. Um, but they have a little disclaimer. They don't mention the doc at all. But interestingly, it came out yesterday. Uh, and this post went up yesterday saying like, we are uh, devoted to inclusion. And, you know, mm-hmm. we're new. Mike Jeffries yeah. is not here anymore. And so yeah. they obviously know what's going on. So... I, I mean, I think um, just just being sort of like an an onlook looker of youth culture because I certainly don't belong to it anymore. Oh um, God! But I think you know something that we've seen is kind of like Gen Z picking up on things that were very hot at the turn of the century, yeah. and. Yeah. I assume that ANF might be one of those and that I think definitely maybe not until this doc came out were they aware of all of like the highly problematic stuff that That's uh, a great point. ANF symbolized. That's a great point. Yeah, exactly. I, we both have hindsight and know the whole ANF story and it's very like I just get like this real visceral reaction to ANF. Um right. which isn't necessarily bad or good but just like I literally start sweating and I'm like <laughs> um but <laughs> Yeah, it's like we have that background information and, you know, someone who's like 20 doesn't. But I guess now they do. Um, now they do. And I'm sure <laughs> ANF is like, oh, shit, <laughs> they're all going to watch Netflix and like hate us again. Exactly. Well, it's like and I don't know about you, but did you ever watch um, one of my favorite shows of all time? Uh, I love the 90s or I love. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the love best. those shows. I love yeah. it. I Also, great. VH1. So I'm going to do a doc about mm-hmm. their shows. Um but they would talk. And again, that's how I remember learning more about pop culture of like eras that I was never a part of, yeah. but learning about it. And I think ANF would definitely have its own segment in one of the, if they were to do like, I love the 2000s or something. So definitely, definitely. Right. Can I, can I mention one other thing? Please, no, I, please, I, just, yeah. I just talked about uh, feeling very old. Um, <laughs> there, there's a moment in very early on in this documentary in which a man explains the concept of a mall. Oh my he, god! Yeah, he's straight up like, imagine this place where everything you wanted Sick. to buy is Sick. in one location. So what? Yeah, like we've now gotten to the point where documentarians 
are saying like, shoot, we're, we're talking about malls a lot. We should probably have someone explain what a mall is because the people watching this are not going to know what a mall is. And that that, this whole thing just sort of sent me into like an emotional tailspin. I I literally had to pause it and be like, I need a minute. I know. know. If you didn't feel old already. It was the worst. I hated it so much. Oh my God. Well, and who I think I was just, I was just talking to my manager before we did this and we were just talking about how like, Remember when we would hang out at the mall? Because kids don't do that anymore, which is just like, what are you doing then? I don't... Okay. People, like, they do... They show that clip from Mean Girls in this documentary. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. And I guess... I guess children are just going to watch Mean Girls and like need a parent to be like, hey, P.S. That's a mall. Let me tell you about malls. Um, So yeah. Just, Just... Tough times for me, personally. Me too. I mean, the way they were saying like, Hot Topic catered to the goth kids and then like Abercrombie catered to preps. Uh, It's like, yes, yes. I feel like I'm shouting into the void. Exactly. It was sad. It was sad. Um, Is there anything you think the doc left out that you wish um, they had kind of talked about a little more? Um, I, I would say one thing like, a big thing here to me is is kind of like how everyone's doing sort of check in like <laughs> sure yeah uh, i think i think in a lot of ways this this anf for a million reasons that we've already talked about this anf story is very indicative of that time period mm-hmm. and it's i think it's also really indicative of like just american corporate like problems sure um, just like Mike Jeffries is the man who sort of like perpetrated this evil. If I'm going to be as dramatic as possible, about, <laughs> yeah, possible about it, please. Um, he didn't really pay for it. Like, he, he yeah, didn't. he doesn't have his job anymore, and um, you know, you're you're probably now listening to this podcast, being like, "Wow, Mike Jeffries is the worst," <laughs> and like that's bad. Like too bad for him. That's really the extent of his punishment. He was making forty million dollars a year, and when he resigned, he got twenty-seven million dollars in cash and benefits. That's wild. So, and you know, that's probably one of the reasons that you haven't heard from him is he's like <laughs> living on his own island, private somewhere. island. Yeah, exactly. Um, like he's doing fine. He he's gonna live the rest of his life extremely wealthy. Um, and then I think that extends kind of further down to like um, Cindy Smith Maglioni, who I think was the, the head of marketing at the beginning of ANS. She's interviewed in the doc. She's, she's a VP at American Eagle now. Oh. Um, Charles Martin, who was like, I think their first chief of design at ANF. He's like the... He's the surfer hippie kind of semen dude in the doc. Yes. Okay. Yes. That yes. man, he's no longer in the industry. He he's now running his own paddleboard experience company. Oh, what? Which yeah, you go Fitting. check out his go check out his uh, LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> that to me indicates he's extremely rich. He's right. doing fine. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Kelly Bloomberg. Um, she's the head of graphics at Old Navy now. Oh, interesting. Um, 
so it's it's just sort of this you know this sort of like undercurrent story of right. like the people who are most responsible and yes jeffries is the most responsible but the people directly underneath him are also have some culpability here totally um they aren't the ones who really get punished and they no. end up escaping this hugely problematic and horrible story like relatively unscathed and in a lot of cases way better than they started out um while like the people who actually get punished are are sort of like the the people on the ground who have to like deal with the fallout and sort of the shame of working at Abercrombie and Fish. That's um, a that's a great point. I mean the people that you mentioned that were interviewed kind of saw this as like it's a fun look back on right. you know the 2000s and the late 90s you know which is just like okay so you don't well, feel yeah. bad about anything or just no? doing interviews in like incredible houses right yeah <laughs> like, exactly that's a good point uh yeah and it's just and even like Bruce Weber who again kind of they talked about how he pretty much cultivated the whole mm-hmm. uh aesthetic of Abercrombie uh, with his photography, you know, he, I think, was sued by a few models, but it was all settled and he yeah. didn't admit to any guilt. And I am I can almost guarantee, I mean, he's a really famous photographer. I'm I can sure almost guarantee that he's still, you know, doing or whatever. He's on an island with his golden yeah. retrievers. And it, yeah, I think Bruce, they, I don't know if they disclosed in the doc, but I'm sure he did. And all of the people that I named had stock. And right were because they were such early oncomers um to Abercrombie and Fish they they had shares in the company and the company exploded and they probably made a, a good a chunk of change from of that money. and yeah. probably also got out of it before things got really bad so <laughs> exactly and they're honestly doing, they're doing fine they're doing fine and honestly if they held on to that stock it uh, it seems to me that this, <laughs> there's a up. resurgence here so yeah. yeah it's amazing i think also i would have loved and they briefly did talk about i i don't i don't remember his entire title but i think it was like the editor-in-chief or something of the oh, yeah. quarterly yeah. i would have loved to hear more about that magazine because that magazine was iconic. I mean, it was sold for, they said $6. I think the price increased. Um, And it it went for a few years, I think from 97 to 2003. And it was honestly, it was just like softcore pornography, but (laughs) with interviews with Rudy Giuliani, Jonathan Franzen, uh, (laughs) uh, Chuck Palahniuk, Jenna Jameson. They had a lot of these really interesting uh, luminaries in the in this quarterly, and I would have loved for them to talk about that a little more. But I that's a that's a great point. I my like ears perked up at <laughs> like seeing editor in chief of A and F quarterly. Yeah, what a great! I was title. like honestly pretty pretty sick job. Like, I'm sure that was great. Oh, I love that guy. He was wearing like a a Hobart uh, half zip yeah, and everything. Shout out! Shout out to uh, Hobart. Yeah. Um. Okay. I guess to wrap things up, Andrew, would you recommend watching this 90 minute documentary on Netflix? I my recommendation maybe it's a little it's a bit of a hedge. Um I would say that if you yes, generally yes, but if you grew up around the Abercrombie like height, like if you right, were in high school era. when Abercrombie was really popping, um 
I would say you're, you're probably not going to learn that much. Like, yes, thank you. But, but it is going to be a sort of illuminating to see it played back. So totally, you know, there's value in that. And then I would say if you're not, if you're not from that era, whether you're older or younger, I think you should, it's worth watching because it is, a, it's a pretty good snapshot, not just of ANF's trouble, but I think of, of a time period. Sure. Def- I totally agree with you. I think that it's a, fa- it was a quick watch. I mean, it kept me entertained the entire time. It was, again, I had, I had known that Mike Jeffrey, like I had seen pictures of the older Mike Jeffries and been like, oh, that's an interesting looking person. <laughs> um, and, you know, had uh, heard the quotes from Salon and whatnot, but I didn't know about all of the manuals and his yeah. private jet stuff. Like that is fascinating. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, more of that. But um, again, you know, they don't really have his participation, which is fine. But um, but yeah, I agree. I think all in all, I would recommend doing it um, or watching it. And uh, and again, it's like, you know, if you were of that era, it's like, oh, my God, it's just like yeah. it's, it's fun and it's uh, it's fascinating to look back on. So pretty good soundtrack, too. So, yes, that's <laughs> exactly. good. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, this was really fun looking back on Abercrombie and Fitch with you, Andrew. Um, Thank you to my co-host, Andrew Gridadaro. Thank you to our producer, Devin Manzi. And thank you for listening. We will be back soon with more pop culture history lessons. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.